Rick Klein is the political director of ABC News. We're chatting with him from New York City, I believe, in New York City. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. Hi, Rick. Hey, great to be with you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, New York City, the capital of the world, from which uh, you can view uh, everything in and around you. And it seems like what we're doing in news is talking about Donald Trump every day. Is that correct? His hometown of, uh, of, <laughs> of New York, indeed. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm 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 based in Washington. Spent most of my most of my time there. And President Trump's obviously dominated Washington. He's dominating New York media. And best I can tell, he's dominated just about every facet of society. I mean, two years into his presidency. Uh, he he seems to be the topic of conversation, whether that's in the arts or pop culture or sports or, of course, politics and business and the like. So yes, I think he is um, he has uh, exerted his uh, his personality uh, above all on everything. So when you make decisions, Rick, about what you cover and how much you cover it and how you resource it, and um, and how you. Uh, I don't know if frame it is the right word. Uh, do you always have to consider what he's done in a day and make that part of what you're doing? Yeah, I, look, I think uh, when we cover news, um, I think you're always looking at what's happening in, in that moment. Um, and even if it's a more in-depth story or a broader story, you're still looking in the context of, of uh, events as they're developing. Um, and uh, there's no way to avoid the president. And, and even storylines that would seem to be a little bit far afield from the president's actual operations day to day tend to come back to that. So it's not uh, – some people ask me, you know, do you, do you just check his Twitter feed all day long? That's a piece of it, obviously, but I think we're less – inclined to just follow where the Twitter, uh, where his tweets lead us, uh, than we are to look overall. I mean, he's the president of the United States. He's always going to be the dominant, if not, if not the, then certainly one of the dominant uh, personalities. And this one in particular, because I think he's such a, a creature of media and user of media and responder to media and consumer of media, uh, creation in a lot of ways of media, uh, it makes it a particular challenge. In many respects, um, we've never had a president who if you consider tweets as official statements and, uh, and, um, and, and media presentation, we've never had a president who has been more available to comment on matters than this president. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yes. Um, I've, I've said recently in, in um, an interview that uh, this president is more um, accessible than any president that I've ever covered. And I took some blowback for it, but I do believe that in, in the sense of, access to what's going on inside his mind because of what he tweets and what he says publicly and a pure quantity of, of times that he takes questions from reporters, um, the you know ability for reporters to find out what's going on uh, inside that White House through official and non-official means. Um, there is more access to this White House than anyone that I've been familiar with. That's not the same as saying there's more truth or more facts coming out of the White House. I think we've learned that this White House uh, propagates in what was famously called alternative facts more than any that uh, that I've ever covered, or maybe any in history. But there is more um, more um, give and take with the media and uh, and, uh, and and access to what the president is thinking in real time than than any White House I could have imagined. If indeed one of our jobs is to um, provide context for what goes on around us, um, how do you keep all of this and present all of this in context? 
Well, I think I think it's a balance. Um, obviously, we, we're in the newest business, so we, we deal with what's new. Um, but there there has to be some context, particularly from this White House. Uh, I think one thing to look at, as we always do, is um, how does something measure up as, a, as an honest or dishonest statement? What are the facts? We spend a good amount of time spending uh, trying to fact check uh, statements of this president, statements of this White House. I think secondarily, as another consideration, is what it matters to people, how, how what the impact is, uh, the likelihood of something being, you know, the, the reality versus just the musings. All of these things, I think, have challenged us in new ways because uh, there really is nothing traditional about the way this president communicates. Do you believe that we're in, as some folks have suggested, partly because of Donald Trump and partly because of a number of other ways, that we are in a new golden age of journalism? I don't know the answer to that yet. I, I think you, you don't know a golden age until you're out of it and you look back. Uh, we talk about the golden age of TV or, you know, the, the golden age of movies. I, and I don't, I don't know that anyone who was producing movies or television during whatever was considered a golden age was thinking in terms of that. Um, you know, no one, I think, has taken home any statues yet. Um, uh, we don't know how the movie's going to end. Um, we're, we're in the middle of the story. I, I, there's, I, do, I would say confidently that there's a heck of a lot of uh, incredible investigative journalism that's going on uh, and really good political reporting. Uh, more of it quantity-wise than at any time that I can have remembered. But um, I do think the, 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 bigger, the, the bigger concern for all of us is how it, how it ranks up with history. And, and, and until we know how this era concludes, if there is a conclusion to the Trump era at all, or if we, maybe we just opened a new chapter, it's hard for me to say that um, that it's that, that, that we're golden or anything um, anything similarly glowing and metallic. What is uh, journalism's place right now in American culture? Are you comfortable with answering that? Yeah, I think it's it's to my mind it is um, it is beyond anything I've ever witnessed and and could have imagined. Uh, you know, I I. Uh, earlier in my career, I worked at the Boston Globe, and uh, I was there at the time that the, the spotlight reporters did the work on the Catholic Church that ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize and then got made into an Oscar award-winning movie. And I thought that was a high point for journalism and pop culture, to see my former colleagues on stage at the Oscars. Uh, and uh, uh, since then, there's been more movies about journalism. Um, you know, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep were just in one about the Washington Post in a different era uh, relatively recently. Uh, and and I think the the way that media figures and people that interact with the media have become uh, kind of pop culture uh, 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 reference points. You're seeing on Saturday Night Live, uh, Sean Spicer or Sarah Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the White House reporters who cover them, uh, lampooned or or caricatured or just depicted in any way, that to me is some measure of of that. Uh, I've seen at rallies um, some White House reporters being asked at Trump rallies being asked for autographs by people that actually don't like them that much or purport not to like them so much. So to me, that it feels like we're at a high watermark for kind of visibility, notoriety, um, which is you know it's a it's a challenge for us as well because that you know most of us that got into this business weren't doing it for that. And um, that with notoriety becomes a degree of scrutiny uh, that that uh, may may make some people uh, uncomfortable. But uh, I've never seen a time where where journalism and, and journalists has been under as uh, as intense and uh, and constant uh, scrutiny as this one. Rick Klein is the political director for ABC News. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. Despite of, or maybe in light of. Um, 
the kinds of things that this president and his supporters say about the media, enemy of the people and other things, fake news and other things. How do you think the average American looks at journalism and uh, what we do and its value? I, I, I don't have a great answer for that. I've seen public opinion polls that show not a lot of trust for journalism, and that bothers me quite a bit. I also know that close to 10 million people watch World News tonight every evening with David Muir, and um, that tells, says to me that a large chunk of an Amer- the American population tunes in every every night to watch this. I see the, our web traffic numbers and web traffic numbers of other media organizations. I know people are consuming us uh, and consuming our content. I think one question that people always have is how it's relevant for your lives. Uh, and uh, and and to the extent that we connect or don't connect, um, I think the, there's a real crisis in local journalism, uh, given the lack of resources, or the cuts in resources in in recent decades, that um, that erodes the the trust and the and the utility of uh, of journalism generally. Um, you know, journalism I think is a, is is meant to be practiced very locally and and needs to be practiced locally. Um, it brings it brings oversight, it brings accountability, and it brings a connection with the with the audience. And that's that part of it. I think concerns me a little bit more. Um, I'd like to think that Americans understand what we do. I'm not sure that we do. I don't know that we're always so good at uh, communicating what it is that we do. But um, I do think the, the the important thing for us is to to be transparent and to to be as accountable as possible. Do you think they? Um, maybe I'm asking the same question. Do you think they care about how we do the job? And if we were more transparent, uh, we were better at transparency. I think maybe we're better than we have been at points in the past. Uh, but if we just basically said, this is who we talked to, this is how we did this story, these are all the steps we took to make this story, do they care enough to get all of that? Probably now more than ever. I don't know that they always do. I mean, you know, I, um, you know, when I go to the coffee shop, I don't, I don't need the barista to tell me where the beans were purchased and how they ground them, and uh, I need to have a good cup of coffee. And uh, I think for a lot of people, they're, they'll take that on. Uh, you know, if we do good journalism, they'll just take that on their own. Um, but I do think that accountability and, uh, and transparency can be a good thing. And I, I think we should be, you know, as honest as we can be about how we arrive at a story, why we why we choose to, 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 to publish a certain story or put it on our air. Um, I, I don't have anything to hide like that. Um, and I think our editorial decisions can ultimately be stronger if we're thinking through the lens of how would you explain this to a, a regular person who's sitting at home watching. You know, 40 years ago when I got into this business, there was uh, radio, television, newspapers, magazine, and never the twain or three or four shall yeah. meet. Maybe even when you got into it, say, 20 years ago, yeah. it was still television, radio, uh, newspaper, magazine. Never before, of course, and we all know this, has it been more um, jumbled up into audio, video, um, online apps, other things. But we still have to produce media in various forms for consumption in various forms. How do we do that? How do you do that? Well, what I, I, I've described myself in the past as platform agnostic. And it's actually something I, I thought about when I first went into newspapers 20 years ago, that um, people were told me in, as an undergrad that uh, newspapers were disappearing. In, um, and maybe they were prophetic. They were a couple of decades ahead of it. They haven't disappeared yet. But um, clearly, it was, it was a, you know, the, 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 the salad days of newspapers rolling in the dough was gone. And same could be said for networks, although I didn't focus on it at the time. And I said to people uh, then, you know, I don't, I don't care if you consume my journalism 
um, in print or you know online or uh, on television or on radio or in some direct feed that gets transmitted into your head someday. If you're if you're still if you're consuming journalism, then it, the challenge for us as journalists is to meet people there. Uh, I spend. You know, I work for a television network, and I spend a lot of time thinking about and helping produce television and appearing on television uh, and, and booking people to appear on television and to prepare editorial copy for television. I also write a, a daily column that appears online. Um, I do a podcast with our chief White House correspondent, John Carl, every week. Um, and I tweet um, probably too much for my own good and, and, and try to reach people literally any way they want to be reached um, with you know through digital means and um, mobile means and anything else. And I, one of the things I'm proud about at ABC News is I, I really think we've been at the forefront of, uh, of trying to reach cord cutters where they want to be reached. We do a daily show for Facebook. Um, we are you know, working with Hulu and Apple TV and the like and constantly innovating and finding new ways to, to reach people, recognizing that um, you know, people are complex and they have more ways and more choices to consume media than ever. Do you think a lot of newspaper people have done a good job? Um, that's the, let me make this a little more artful question. Has it been difficult for some people who were trained in print to um, migrate to um, audio and video storytelling uh, forms? Sure. I think it's always difficult when you, you come up a certain way, and it's not for everyone. And there's certainly people who do print and do print, that's it, and they don't do any television. I think that's a smaller and smaller share of people in anything. And I think the number of just TV reporters who can't write a story or radio reporters who can't file for, for the video or, or, or newspaper reporters who can't appear on television, that's a diminishing breed. And you know, I tell this to journalism students all the time, you know, don't get into this business saying, I want to do this. You know, say that you want to be a journalist and think about creatively about the ways you can do that. And, you know, jobs that incorporate as many different mediums as mine does, they didn't exist 10 or 20 years ago, certainly not 30 years ago. And whatever the next technologies will be in 10 or 20 years from now are, are still, to be, still to be determined. So if you go into this thinking, you know what, I really want to be a podcaster or I really want to be, a, you know, a, a, a long-form writer, we just don't know what that's going to look like. If you go into this thinking, I want to tell stories, I want to uncover news, I want to cover news and, and, and provide analysis in, in cutting-edge ways, then I think it can go a lot further for you as a journalist. I would say, though, um, I'm sure those days at the Dallas Morning News and then the Boston Globe um, really helped you, helped define you, helped teach you how journalism works. Oh, no question. I mean, I, I, that, that kind of grounding that I had in print and working in print for uh, nine years or so before working in television, I wouldn't, have trade, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I think the blocking and tackling of journalism that you learn at a newspaper, in a metro newspaper, I think is invaluable and impossible to replicate. And you know, my first job at the Dallas Morning News covering cops, covering overnight ships, uh, shifts and having to knock on someone's door you know, right after they got some terrible piece of news about a loved one, I mean, that teaches you um, how, to, how to ask questions and how to conduct yourself in public in ways that I, I don't think can be learned elsewhere. And so I tell people that, that I'm very grateful for the background that I had in, in print journalism and the ability to, to report and write stories in that way. Uh, I'm glad I did that uh, when I did it in my career. Rick Klein is the political director of ABC News. He's with us on Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader. 
you work on World News Tonight. You do um, Good Morning America, I guess. You do the the dot com. You do the apps. You do everything. You do radio. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the thirty minute news show. You mentioned World News yeah. Tonight. Ten million people watch David Muir every night. Um, you know, forty years ago it was thirty million, forty million, thirty five million people. Um, but it's a different time. Um, can you kind of quickly run through us how that process works? How how does a half an hour show, a news show, work now and still work well in a um, in an era when people can watch news twenty four hours a day and they can get it on their phone twenty four hours a day? I think the I think the story selection has a lot to do with it and just kind of engaging people the way they they want to be engaged. Um, you know, we could easily fill our thirty minutes with just stuff that happens in Washington any given day. And there's days where I when I advocate for that as the political director, um, but we realize that's not how people live their lives and. Um, you know, we try to have a mix of stories. Um, if there's big weather events somewhere in the country impacting millions of Americans or big health news, a big business news, you know, what it means for your for your wallet, for your 401k is, is something that we focus on pretty intensely. And, of course, what your political leadership means. Uh, so we, 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 we try to move through a whole different different buckets of people's interest. And even inside the show, um, it's not all, um, you know, breaking news or even hard news often. And we're finding feature stories and uplifting stories and kind of offbeat stories that we can tell that have compelling um, elements to them. So I think I think trying to match people um, to the complexity that they are, you know, people tend not to be, you know, just junkies for one type of uh, type of news. And maybe if you're a weather junkie, you're watching the Weather Channel, or if you're a sports junkie, you're watching SportsCenter and ESPN all the time. But we know we have a general interest audience that wants to know the best of all of those things. And I think they trust ABC News. I hope they trust ABC News to bring that to them in that uh, compact and, and um, uh, hopefully familiar form. ABC, CBS, and NBC traditionally were the big three and traditionally battled it out for that nightly news um, audience. Is there still as much competition among those three for that half an hour of news uh, um, uh, consumption by the audience as there always was? Yeah, I, I think I think um, clearly you want more people to watch you than the others. Um, I think, though, we, we compete in a sense with everybody at the news. And knowing that there's people that watch us in lots of different ways may watch us on DVR or listen to other podcasts or read us online. So I think that the, the competition has, has multiplied, but um, it's not lost on any of us that, that the three broadcast networks who combined have 25 million people watching their broadcasts every night um, are, are on at the same time in most markets. And, uh, and if, you're, if you're living really anywhere in this country, you have the choice of watching one of those three, whether or not you have a cable subscription. And honestly, even if you're a cord cutter and you don't have any television at all, uh, those opportunities to, to engage with the content are there. And I think for us, you know, a flagship broadcast like World News Tonight is um, maybe the most visible and, uh, and highest profile way that we that we interact with the audience and, and show them what our reporting is and uh, what our analysis is and what our what our resources bring. Uh, but it's not the end of it. And um, and it's it, you know, that, that we don't only think about the ratings of that show. We think about how that fits in the broader universe of everything that ABC News does. It, there was a day when um, when the person who read the news in the evening, the, the half an hour nightly news show, whatever it was called, World News Tonight, NBC Nightly News, yeah. um, uh, CBS uh, Evening News, I guess it's called. Um, Walter Cronkite was an icon, but there were others, Huntley and Brinkley and John yeah. Chancellor and and um, uh, Peter Jennings and, and go down the list of icons. That's not necessarily the way it is any longer. Um, but is, is that okay? 
Well, I grew up with Jennings, rather, Brokaw, and, and those are men that did it for an extraordinarily long time at the height of their profession, and that, that's what I knew they were as associated with the networks as possible. Um, does, do as many people know that Lester Holt is the anchor of NBC Nightly News, or Jeff Glor of the CBS Evening News, or David Muir of World News Tonight? Probably not, as a portion of the, of the population. I, I can't imagine that um, any of them are at Cronkite level. I think two things. One is it happens over time. It's, you know, Cronkite wasn't Cronkite until he'd done it for a while. And um, this current group, uh, you know, at least I know, you know David Muir and Jeff Glor are in their 40s. Um, they're relatively new to the jobs. Uh, Lester hasn't been doing it that long either. You know, he took over Brian Williams a couple of years ago. So maybe that can come with time. I also think it's just it is a function of the difference, right? Obviously, there are more choices if you're a news junkie than there were 30 years ago. Um, that's not going to change. We're not going to go back to an era where three broadcasts are speaking from on high. It's just that doesn't exist anymore. So I embrace it personally. I think it's it makes it more of a challenge for us and uh, more of an, an opportunity because when you do connect, um, and you can connect powerfully through television, there's no other way to reach as many Americans um, immediately uh, as through a, a, a broadcast that gets on the order of 10 million people every night. Uh, but when you do connect, it, it means more, and it's, it's, it's more powerful uh, in this segmented environment to really hit home with something. We should remind the audience, too, Rick, that there aren't very many primetime network television shows that draw 10 million people. Um, Big Bang Theory, I think I checked last week, is the number one scripted uh, show, at least in half an hour version, and that gets about 17 or 18 million viewers. But there are an awful lot of television shows that don't get 10 million uh, people and are still on the air and have been for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, it's gratifying to me when I see any news program cracking in the top ten, say, of a, of a weekly broadcast, as some do. And, you know, I, obviously Americans will tune in to watch football or basketball and, uh, in, in big numbers, and um, there's sitcoms that are wildly successful. But uh, the news broadcasts are not laggers by any stretch. They are right up there with some of the most watched things on television, as in my, in my mind they should be. People love to listen to podcasts. A growing number of people listen to uh, podcasts. They get audio when and where they want it and and in what form. How have you been able to adapt that um, sub-medium, if I can call it that, um, into, um, into a viable news presentation? I, I love podcasting. It's some of the highlights of my week most weeks is doing the podcast that I do uh, here at ABC, Powerhouse Politics. Uh, and, you know, John Carl and I get to um, get to share some of our reporting and our analysis, what we're hearing from people, do some interviews, um, help um, help bring us into some different territory than we would otherwise. It's a remarkably intimate setting, in, in my experience. You, you get to have you have a relationship with the audience that's different. The numbers don't rival World News Tonight um, or, or really anything that's on television. But it's a very engaged audience. It's a politically connected audience. And I've actually had people... Um, you know, on, in public, say they recognize my voice from the podcast, which is not, not something I ever thought I'd hear. Uh, and and to me, that it's enormously gratifying to know, even if it's a, a much smaller audience, it's it's an audience that cares enough to engage and to to listen to our take week after week. If we're in the middle of this media revolution, and I think we are still in the middle of this media revolution, certainly migration, certainly an, a disruption to uh, what we do, uh, are you bullish on the future? Are you excited about the future? Are you happy about the trends that are coming about in what we do? Enormously. I think it's another message I share with young journalists all the time is that there's more opportunities to to break through in this in this in the media world and to distinguish yourself than there ever have been. Um, there are more interesting 
ways to produce journalism than in the history of American society, in my estimation. Uh, and and change is, is inevitable and, and natural. And um, you know the, the the story of the declining evening newscast to me it's been tempered by the fact that the ratings have kind of flattened out, that there's an audience, still a strong audience that, that comes back, but also by all the different ways that we're able to engage. As I mentioned earlier, you know, just doing a daily show on Facebook, as, as we do here at our newsroom at, at ABC News, that's not something that existed before. It's fun. It's different. It's exciting. It means that you're reaching other people that would, weren't watching you on television. So I think for you know, ambitious and energetic um, and engaged young journalists. There's just there's just a a, a, a whole different world of, of of opportunities. It isn't a world where you have to go one of the top networks or one of the top newspapers. You can you can take your skill set and bring it to any different any number of different ways. And in many respects, isn't it, Rick, what we've been doing forever, at least as a as an industry of journalism. You get up in the morning, you see what's going on, you do the best job you can, do the best version of the truth you possibly can, publish it, and then get up the next morning and do it all over again. Uh, it's a great way to describe the, the, the task and the, uh, and the excitement of journalism both, yes. Well, thank you, Rick, for your time. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, John. It's, it's been a pleasure. You're thank welcome. You Rick Klein is the political director for ABC News. He's been with us on Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader.